0: After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes.
1: Well, thank you. And what an incredible picture that is from in that reading there. Let's, uh, let's pray to God that He might speak to us and encourage us this morning. Father, we thank You so much for this vision of the future. Please encourage us and enliven our hearts and minds uh, so that we can uh, please you with our actions and our thoughts and our words and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this morning what we're looking at is the topic, where are we up to with global mission? The vision statement of CMS is a world that knows Jesus. That's quite bold, isn't it? What, what would that take? how would you evangelize the whole world? Now, some people might say, that's, that's impossible, no way, the whole world? Which world are you thinking of? Some people might say, that's offensive, I don't like that idea. What about Jesus? What did he say about world evangelization? Well, in Matthew 24, verse 14, he says, this gospel news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So that's a prophecy from Jesus, isn't it? He's saying that the whole world will be evangelized and only then will he return. First world evangelization, then the end of the world. If you're looking for a crystal ball to work out what's happening in the future, where's everything going, there it is surprising, perhaps. It's God's mission, but it involves us. And the question is, will we participate in it? Is, something, is it something that we want? Do you want Jesus proclaimed in the whole world? Well, we're looking at where are we up to with mission, and we're going to look at this question in three ways. Where are we up to in the Bible's story? And then secondly, where are we up to in world history, And then finally, where are we up to as a church? What's it look like for us? So, firstly, where are we up to in the Bible's story? God's mission starts in Genesis. You know, the whole Bible, isn't it? It's the account of God's mission to create and then to restore and then to perfect humanity as the flourishing, God's flourishing representative over all things that He's created. But there's a point in the Bible where we, the church, actually come into the picture of God's mission, in a very specific way. And it's right there in the book of Acts, actually. And it's a point of handover. There's a handover from God the Son, who has come to be present in our world, He's begun this new age through his death and his resurrection and he hands over to God the Spirit who then takes the message about God the Son and he energizes and equips the believers, the church, us, to be bearing witness to that message across the whole world. So, brothers and sisters, we step into the Bible's picture at that very moment and you're going to see yourself in that picture in a second. In the book of Acts, the message to the world begins in an explosive way, as we'll see. But then when we wind forward from Acts to the end of the Bible's picture, the book of Revelation, where is it all heading? And we were were looking at that passage from Revelation 7 and John tells us about this vision. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count just imagine it how big is a multitude that no one can count and there's every tribe nation people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb and they're wearing white robes and they're they're holding palm branches and they cry out in a loud voice salvation belongs to god and to the one on the throne and to the Lamb. So this is a picture of the future and what's happened at this point is world evangelization has happened. The Gospel has been preached to the whole world as Jesus predicted and now the end has come. People from every nation, tribe and tongue are right there present and you're with them, aren't you? Are you there in this group? You know, you're, you're standing around and you look around and everywhere you look is diversity. You know, different skin colour, different cultural background, you're hearing different languages, but you're there with them. There's people from Afghanistan and North Korea and Eritrea and Iran and Australia. And, you know, we're all there together and we're rejoicing together in the glory and grace of Jesus. But what's happened between these two bookends, between Acts and Revelation? How did it go from 120 believers in Jerusalem to every people group on the planet being there around the throne? Well, two things will have happened. Firstly, what's happened is a multitude has heard the gospel of salvation. A massive number of people have heard. Because you notice when you look at this picture, it's a multitude of people wearing white robes. Now, why are they wearing white robes? There's a little conversation off to the side, John has with one of the elders. And these are the ones who've come out of the great ordeal and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. I don't know about you, have you ever tried washing robes in blood? And have they ever come out white? This is not cleaning tips, folks. Uh, this is the cleansing from guilt that only comes because of the message of the Gospel. The message of the Gospel is that Christ's blood is the only way to cleanse. And what you have here with a whole lot of people with white robes are people who have heard that message. It's not the sort of message you would make up for yourself. Why, why would we make up a message that through someone else's blood being shed, you can be cleansed before God? It's meant to be a bit of a clash of an idea, the idea of cleansed before God but cleansed by the blood. We would never come up with this idea. The only way that this multitude is cleansed is because they've heard the Gospel message and they've believed that Gospel message and so they are cleansed before God. That's fundamental. Firstly, people will have heard the Gospel. Second thing that will have happened between these two bookends is that the Gospel will have crossed cultures. Christianity is not white, I'm sure you realise this. It's multicultural. And it's much more multicultural than any church you or I have ever visited. But how did it get multicultural? There's only one way it could have become multicultural, there's nothing accidental about this. For that multitude to become multicultural, The message has to go cross-cultural. Culture is not simple, is it? We know that. Uh, You don't accidentally cross cultures, otherwise what would happen? Over time, surely, all the cultures would kind of blend together and you just end up with this sort of middle blurry kind of culture. But that's not what it looks like in the world. Cultures are difficult for us we don't tend to cross cultures unless we have some kind of intention, because we stay in our comfort zones, in our own cultures. We find other cultures hard to understand, maybe we see them as a novelty, maybe we call them foreign, foreign cultures. Sometimes we hate other cultures and racism has led to terrible injustice. But this picture of the multicultural gathering, tells us that throughout the history of the church, missionaries have been sent to tell the message of salvation. That is how God's mission is fulfilled, by missionaries being sent. Now you might say, hang on, the other nations, aren't they coming to us? And it's true, Australia has a very high number of people who live here who were born overseas. But it's just a drop in the bucket And there's only a certain type of people from overseas who actually have the means to be able to come and settle in Australia. There is a lot of work still to be done in other countries, other parts of the world. Ah, but you might say, haven't you, CMS people, heard about the internet? You know, you can just, can't you just Google, how can I be saved? But what language are you going to Google that in? In 99% of the world's languages, you google that and you won't come up with anything. No, we need to go to them. The gospel calls the church to go and cross cultures, to go and reach the lost, to reach the gospel poor and we need to stay for long enough in those cultures, not to tell them how to do everything but to sit with them and to, to learn their language and culture To support churches, to encourage churches to grow and to be able to do their own gospel sharing in their own cultures because they're going to do it much better than we can do. And then for that church to be able to send its own missionaries. So, God sends missionaries, brothers and sisters, how else do we move from Acts to Revelation? Yes, we're all involved in mission to friends and family and local communities, Mission is from everywhere to everywhere, but at its heart, mission is sending to other communities. So where are we up to in the Bible's picture? Well, we're in the middle somewhere. The Church has sent some missionaries, but there's more work to be done. Which brings us to question two. Where are we up to in world history? And a quick survey of 2,000 years, numbers tell a powerful story. In Acts chapter 1, there are 120 believers, it tells us. By Acts chapter 4, there are 5,000 believers. Boom. This is exploding. By the end of the first century, there may have been as many as a million Christians. Nearly 1% of the world's population. That's not bad for 60 years of Gospel sharing. But check out where it goes next on the graph. So by the year 200, it was 4.7% of the world's population. Then 7.5%, then 13.5%. And by the year 500, one in five people on the earth were Christian. Isn't that extraordinary? The speed of that growth over 500 years. Now, were they all mature Christians, mature disciples of Christ? I doubt it. In our own country, just because someone puts Christian On the census doesn't mean they have saving faith but it does mean that the gospel has been extensively preached in Australia and remember that Jesus didn't say that the whole world would be Christianized that's not our goal he said that the message about Jesus would go to every nation so what happens next let's look at the next graph it's a longer period of time here, Uh, significant world population growth um, and there is the birth and spread of Islam, there is a spike in the 13th century connected with the Mongol Empire and then there is, after the Reformation, there is a gradual increase until the incredible, next slide please, 19th century. What happened there? Another explosion. Massive explosion in mission activity during the 1800s. It was people going to the world. By 1900, there were 45,000 Protestant missionaries at work, multiple spiritual awakenings around the world and by the year 1900, Christianity represented a third of human beings, 34%. So, then what was going to come next? Just hold the next slide for now. A friend recently forwarded me a Gospel Coalition article called, When Did Evangelicals Stop Caring About Missions? That's a confronting title, isn't it? But the writer points to the world being poised for an incredible 20th century. I mean, this was going to be amazing. Like, you saw where it went in the 19th, wow, where's it going to go in the 20th? It's going to skyrocket, surely. But what happened? Well, there were two world wars, dozens of genocides, massive population growth, an increase in Islam, 45 million Christian martyrs, along with, as we well know, the devastating decline in Christian commitment in Europe followed by the rest of the West. The countries we talk about as as the West, they're they're in the North, it's all very confusing, isn't it? The Northern Hemisphere. But those countries we call the West, in that 100 years, they went from representing, Christianity went from representing 80% of the population to 40%. But what about the overarching percentages, like the whole world percentages? Let's have a look at the final graph. There it is, the 20th century is that last little bit. It's interesting, isn't it? The percentage dropped, but only just. And today, Christianity represents 32% of the world's population, still the largest religion and still growing. But what happened? You know, we're in this post-Christianity phase. We know what that's like. It's hard work sharing the Gospel. Nobody seems to want to know about it. Surely the Church is, you know, dying nearly gone. But what happened? Why haven't the numbers dropped further? Well, because of the Global South. You've heard of the Global South? Right across Asia and Africa and South America, Christian faith grew from just under 20% to about 60% in those parts of the world during that century. The 20th century saw massive growth in the church in many of the poorest parts of the world that in some ways has offset that exodus in the west. So then where are we up to looking at the 21st century, the rest of it? Well surely this is a century to engage in cross-cultural discipleship and evangelism. Surely in the west we'll see the huge opportunities of ministry in parts of the world that are responding to Christianity, where the Spirit is busily at work. And surely we'll share our resources, the massive heritage of English language theological resources and leadership and training expertise, surely we'll share these with the church that is growing so fast in some parts of the world that it can't keep up with itself, that its leaders, they haven't been to Sunday school, they haven't been to youth group, just, they've only just found out about Christ and now they're having to lead the church. Surely now is the time to help. Now, of course, we don't give up on our mission to our communities here in the West. God still has great plans for Australia, I'm sure of it. But his concern, brothers and sisters, hear this this morning, his concern is for the whole world. And all the culture crossing that needs to happen this century for the world to hear about Jesus. Now is the time for sending missionaries. This is not just a historical curiosity. The harvest is ripe today, regardless of what your friends think about Christianity or say about you. Jesus tells us to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And this brings us to our final question. We've looked at where are we up to in the Bible's picture. We've looked at where are we up to in world history, and now where are we up to as a church? I am genuinely and continually encouraged by the mission partnership of Trinity Church, Adelaide, with CMS and the CMS missionaries. It's been a long history and, you know, of the, of the recent missionaries that we've sent out, about a third of them were commissioned right here on this platform here at Trinity Church Adelaide. There's been a strong connection. But it's not just the sending of those missionaries, it's also the ongoing partnership with them as they go to the various corners of the earth. The church here formally partners with Maggie in Cambodia, Mike and Karen Rowe in South Africa and with Malcolm and Ainsley Purdy in Chile. Thank you for your partnership. But today I'd like to do a little pulse check. What's it look like for us to be doing this partnership? Where are we up to? And what does it look like for you personally? Because it's one thing for the church to make these decisions that, oh, we partner with this missionary and this missionary. But, but what about the church as in the members What does it look like for you? Are you connected with any of them yet? You know, are you receiving anything in your inbox? Do you see the Cambodian, Chilean and African Christians there in Revelation 7 and think, you know, some of those guys are going to be there with us in heaven because of the partnership that our church has done with those parts of the world? That's extremely exciting, we're not just worried about Adelaide, we've actually got our eyes up higher Where are we up to? CMS talks about pray, care, give, go. Have you heard that? Pray for missionaries, care for missionaries, give for missionaries, and go and put your hand up to be a missionary. Let's have a think about those four as we wind up. Firstly, pray. Do you pray for missionaries now obviously we pray from the platform and we you know we all say amen but what about you in your private devotions asking god to let his kingdom come you know praying for the countries that our missionaries are serving in for the work that they're doing for their own provision and protection are you praying for your partner workers all of them have very significant prayer needs at the moment These are not going to be wasted prayers, they never are but at the moment, you know, the Purdy's, you heard them saying language learning, building relationships and there's six of them so there's a lot of work to be done plus these long-term resident visas so that they can be involved in this ongoing theological education for Chile. For the rose, prayer for perseverance during the trials of ministry. And that they would keep their eyes fixed on the opportunity that they have to be training pastors right across Africa and for their upcoming home assignment next year. And for Maggie, you know be praying for her for the ongoing exhausting task of helping these young girls that she is helping to rescue out of exploitation and also for her next year having a home assignment, that that also would be fruitful and not utterly exhausting as well. You, you do pray for the kingdom, don't you? I mean, we've all got lots of things that we want to pray to God for, for our own world and our immediate surrounds, but we do pray that God would let his kingdom come, don't we? That's pray. Secondly, care. You know, it's easy to think of care as being, oh, you know, that's the nice thing. We'll just get on with the meaty stuff of praying and giving our money and going and be a missionary, but, you know... Is care the kind of, the soft stuff that we don't really need? Well, except for the fact that the only reason we're in the church is God's own care and love for us. Care is love. It is about us actually loving the missionaries that we send and loving the places that they've gone to. You know, their lives are turned upside down completely. It is a little bit crazy, as we said earlier. The missionaries need our love. How do we care for them? Well, I think the first way is just subscribe for their prayer points. It's so easy. We all know how the QR codes work these days. They're on the cards in front of you. Just point it, click it, go through, put your name in and you'll start getting their prayer points and then then pray them, read them, um, read their updates, see their photos and, you know, maybe even hit reply. Uh, you know, just one or two sentences of encouragement every often, but you know, some kind of regularity and build a relationship with them. Don't expect them to reply to every single message, but let them know that you're there with them in spirit, that you think what they're doing is good and important and that you love it and that you're praying for them. And maybe take an interest in their country. On my phone, I have the Operation World app, it's a really helpful app, it gives you a country every day you can pray for but you can also look up countries, you can look up Chile and see what some of the needs are and they've got a whole bunch of really helpful prayer points about what's going going on in Chile. Care for them, love them and pray for their country. Thirdly, give, pray, care, give. In the West we might be time poor but we're not money poor. I know groceries, everything's very expensive. The moment someone told me that a cucumber costs four dollars, this is ridiculous. You might as well just buy a Mars bar. (laughs) You know. But, and and petrol, I mean, when is this petrol excise thing going to hit again? We know we're just waiting around for the price to just blip up again. Uh, I know everything is very expensive, but if we have money in our bank accounts, we have money. Why, you know, we sometimes say things like, nothing in my hand I bring, and this is, you know, I, I can just sort of come, into, come to God with nothing in my hand. Do you, I think the reason we say words like that is the old hymn, which is an excellent hymn and an excellent line, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling, naked come to you for dress, and I keep forgetting the next line, but you know the one. It's basically saying, don't, don't turn up to God thinking that you've got any righteousness that you can prove to Him. You only come... On the strength of the cross, wash me saviour or I die. I think that might be the next line. You only come to Him on the basis of the cross but the idea of coming to Him empty-handed and not actually bringing something that is yours to give to Him, that's completely foreign to the Scriptures. I mean, unless you can find somewhere in the Bible where it says, you know, come to God empty-handed. Actually, if you look in Exodus 34, you'll find these words, God says in the Lord, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. And he says a few verses down, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. Sending missionaries is expensive, running any kind of church ministry is expensive. You know, we could chop the standards of living for our missions a little bit, you know. But they already live fairly modest lives compared to many of us, as it is you hear the expression, are you putting your finances to work? And often what we mean by that is, are you putting your money somewhere where it will make more money? Get it to work, making more money. But what about the kingdom? Are we investing in our money being put to work for the kingdom? Fourthly, and finally, go. Not a lot of people are lining up to go on mission at the moment. Now, I know there's been a pandemic, it's complicated. I do have people in the pipeline, it's wonderful, lots of fun talking to them, but not, not as many names as I'd love to see. What about this church? Look around. Yeah, I know this is a little awkward. Um, but, you know, it might not be right for you to go yourself, but it might be right for the person next to you, so dob in a mate. And send them on mission because it's not just it's not just something that you just do on your own your own bat i think i've got a great idea i'm going to be a missionary it's something that we do as a church we've got to we've got to kind of agree this would be good to send this person who could we set apart to go and be a long-term missionary could we set someone apart every year to do this if what who could maybe we could pray over the next 12 months lord Put it on our hearts, who we could send. And maybe it's you that he sort of pokes and you sort of say, okay, I wonder if God is asking me. I think that would be a great prayer goal. Feel free to come and chat to me about it. I'm not going to push anybody to go on mission if I don't think it's right. But have a chat. Well, to finish, is global mission God's hobby? Maybe it's his full time job. Or maybe even more than that, maybe it's his entire agenda because God never sleeps. Mission is everything to God, it's the extension of his love and his mercy, his whole character. It's the extension of that into the world. Mission is the extension of his wisdom and his righteousness. This is what the world needs, this is how the world gets put right. There is no other solution mission the gospel of jesus is god's agenda and it's glorious it's a vision for all of humanity and all creation and so our father in heaven let your kingdom come let's pray our father we do pray that now let your kingdom come please raise up workers for the harvest Please use us in the growth and extension of your kingdom to those parts of the world where it is gospel poor. Please encourage us in the way we partner with mission. Put this on our minds and our hearts. And Lord, would you bear fruit from this? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.